15 minutes it is uh, after 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro uh, with myself, Ayabong Akawe. And uh, it is Freedom Day, the 27th of April. And uh, we reflect, of course, on the democratic breakthrough uh, in 1994. Ngolusuku, uh, Abandu, all out in the queues and... Um, Certainly still voting uh, at this time. And uh, for many people, I guess, voting for the first time in their lives. Um, and uh, that spoke volumes of the disenfranchisement of African people and uh, black people in general uh, in South Africa. And uh, yeah, we know also that uh, freedom is not a destination nor an event. Uh, and that it kubeka, umzabalazo kubeka. And as um, the Mozambicans say, aluta continua. And uh, certainly the struggle uh, continues among many other terrains in the terrain of making sure that everybody has a practical expression to the right to shelter and uh, resolving, of course, the housing crisis at the center of uh, many of our social and economic challenges in South Africa. And I'm joined on the line this evening to talk about some of these issues by Nkwasekwana Swartboy from the Social Justice Coalition and Reclaim the City, also joined by Tapelo Mohapi from Abatali. Basem Jondolo. Kosikona and Tapelo, good evening to you and welcome. And ask Bangban, Lopulugan and Atapa, but uh, good evening. Hello? Hello? Yo? Hello, hi, hi. Uh, is that Kosikona? Um, this is Kosikona here. Yes, Kosikona, how are you? Let's maybe start off here. I mean, you, you are from Reclaim the City. Um, and before we even get into it, who is Reclaim the City? What work do you do? And I guess uh, in the world of spatial justice and uh, human settlements, uh, what are some of the things that you work on? Um, yeah, um, greetings to your um, listeners this, listen this evening. And also greetings to yourself. Um, it is an honor to speak to you, Mkherazom. I always listen to your show in the evening. Ah, Ndiabulela. Nakum duwa kutima, Ndiabulela ba, tingokole nabandu wa bakrinsegis ba noko, you know, ba kushalaza, ba krinsegis, you know, in that generation, it was ziklip khoyaz. Uh, and, and for us, it's, it's important that when we talk about freedom today, we speak to people like you, Ngozikona, and the organizations that you come from that are really holding and anchoring the space uh, for the reclamation of justice um, and, of course, many of the rights that are promised to us. So, Ndiabulela and Ndiatemba Noko, we are Kubeke Kubang Mpula Puliwetu. Yeah, I like the last part of your show where you talk like some deep course of the essay. It's so, so fun. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, and, I, and, and, and that's basically... Um, what um, reclaim the city stands for, but I'm I just want wanting to clarify two things here. That one, um, I am one of the founding members of reclaim the city, um, which is a movement that is focusing on addressing spatial inequality in Cape Town um, and the issue of eviction. But I'm currently um, employed um, the Social Justice Coalition, which is a movement that is faith that is. Um, addressing issues of dignity and equality in informal settlements. Um, and so um, I, would, I don't have the mandate to speak on behalf mm. of Reclaim the City, but I can sure, talk to sure. um, your listeners and yourself about my experience in being part of Reclaim the City and also like my new journey mm. of working um, with informal settlements dwellers across Cape Town. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure if, 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 if that's what you'd want. No, no, I mean, look, Ngozikwana, whichever you feel comfortable to speak of uh, or speak on, I should say, because, 
you know, Kabila, um, you know, we're not saying we want to put you on, on the box here, but we really want to try and get a greater sense of uh, the texture and issues uh, that you're confronted with in the struggles that you undertake. Um, and, and of course, what that means in the context of the unfinished and messy tasks of freedom. Um, so, so I want you, Ngozikwana, to just hold the line for me there for a second. When we come back, Ngozikwana uh, um, uh, uh, will be joined by Tapelo Mohapi from Abashali Basim Jondolo, and he's the spokesperson there for Abashali. We have him back on the line as we continue with our discussion. We also want to hear from you, so give us a ring on 089-110-3377. And we also out on Twitter. On at Metro FMSA, use the hashtag Metro FM Talk and also out on Facebook on Metro FMSA. It is indeed, and uh, 22 minutes it is after 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk on this uh, Freedom Day, and uh, this evening, shine a spotlight on the world of human settlements. And uh, we know uh, you certainly don't have to do a lot of investigative work in this country to know that we have a massive challenge uh, when it comes to human settlements and housing. And it's not only a challenge that you find uh, as Lalini or even in many of our townships, but it's certainly a challenge uh, that has uh, found itself and uh, found expression even in the belly of the suburbs in South Africa. And uh, we talk about that this evening and uh, as part of... Uh, uh, on this uh, Freedom Day, stories about uh, the reclamation of uh, spatial justice in a context of uh, really grappling uh, with the spatial apartheid and uh, the ghosts of that particular project. I'm joined for this conversation by Ngosikwana Swartboy from the Social Justice Coalition and Reclaim the City. Also joined now on the line by Tapelo Mohapi, who speaks on behalf of Abashali Basem Jondolo. Tapelo, good evening to you and welcome. Evening, uh, good evening to the listeners as well. Yeah, yeah. Glad to uh, finally get through to you, man. We had a bit of an issue there with the line. And uh, I guess similar question that I posed to Ngosikwana um, earlier. Abashali Basam Jondolo, many of our listeners might be familiar with them. Some might not know. Uh, but uh, just briefly, uh, talk to us about the work that Abashali Basam Jondolo does. Well, first and foremost, uh, I'd like to thank you for this opportunity. Shabab. Um uh, today, uh, on the day that we call in Abashabasam Jondolo the Unfreedom Day, mm. because the freedom that was supposed to be given to us as the Shet dwellers has been robbed and taken away by the ANC led government. Uh, today, people are living under inhuman conditions because um, of corruption, because of a lot of things that are taking place in this. Uh, the lot of injustice that are taking place in this country. Mm. But Abashal Basim Jondolo is a, a mass uh, grassroots democratic social movement that fights for uh, advance and promotes the interest of the people or, or in the in the shacks. Mm. Uh, we call ourselves the shack dwellers. Many of our politicians don't want to agree with that, but because of the conditions that we live under, we continue to call ourselves that because uh, we are living under inhuman conditions. Many people die on their way to the toilet. Many people die mm. as a result of going to get services, water. Uh, many people die in the shack fires, as we have seen in Cato Crest. Uh, a woman died. Uh, in the shack fire, uh, 49 families were rendered homeless. A disabled woman was killed in, in Sianda in a shack fire because she could not, uh, uh, you know, go out and run away from the fire. Those are the realities that we have in the shack. Mm. Um, I'm living in a shack right now, uh, and I'm looking at everyone celebrating, uh, uh, you know, Freedom Day, mm. and I'm thinking, am I free when my kids are playing under these human conditions? Mm. Where mm. Uh, refuse collection has not been collected sure, sure. Uh, for for months. 
um, they are rats as big as cats, um, they are snakes. Um, our kids are in danger. Mm. Uh, our kids are growing up in very inhuman conditions. They are growing up in very dangerous conditions. So it's easy for anyone who's a middle class person to say we are free today uh, because they are living in, you know, a luxurious life. We are not living under those conditions. We are continuously living like pigs in the mud. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and I guess you know the issues that uh, uh, Tapelo is raising, Gosekwana. If I can come to you, um, I guess speak about the unfreedom that we continue to experience, but also many of the unfinished tasks uh, of freedom. I mean, the Constitution says you know everybody should have a right to shelter. Um, there are many other pieces of legislation that are instruments to give effect to spatial justice. But I guess the key lesson is that just because you've written it down and uh, it is law doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I want to agree with um, the sentiments and I mean, I'm shared by Tapelo Muhasi um, regarding um, this commemoration of today being regarded by Abbasali Basum Chondolo as an unfreedom day uh, because what is it to celebrate when you're living um, a life in informal settlements? We keep on, like in our organization, um, glorifying the poverty um, that people are living in to say there must be dignity in informal settlements. But if I may ask you, um, you know, Ayabonga, what dignity may you find in you having to live with your family in informal settlements? Mm. The basic services are, are up for debate on daily basis. Um, that uh, you, you're having to fight over things like a, a fully flashing toilet, that if you don't have a toilet, that um, women in your society are, are, you know, will keep on being raped on their way to a toilet will keep on being killed to their way, I mean, on their way to a toilet. I mean, more than two decades have passed in South Africa of a whole, the racist regime designed to keep the country's black population under the thumb of an elite white minority. But while democracy has delivered freedom for all South Africans, not, not enough has changed for mm. those living in countries vast townships. In fact, um, despite 25 years of democracy, just... Um, South Africa remains um, the most economically unequal country in the world, according to the World Bank. If anything, um, you know, the rainbow nation is even more divided now than it was in 1994. Mm. Um, and this begs the question as to what is it that you must celebrate, um, you know, as, as residents of informal settlements um, on this day that we are commemorating a day where we had to cast our votes and vote for, you know, the, the, the future of South Africa and the future of South Africa and, you know, the, um, the, the, the you know, black people leading South Africa. But we keep on seeing people dying in the hands of black policemen. We keep on seeing, um, you know, black politicians stealing from um, the poor of the poorest in our society. What is it that we must celebrate in that? And I think that is one of the questions that we, that, that we as a society in South Africa, we must be asking ourselves. Um, you know, in South Africa, we are regarded as one of the ma- most unequal societies in the world. Um, with a beautiful, beautiful constitution and amazing policy, you know, at, gov- at, 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 at local government level. But still those remain, um, you know, dreams that are written on a piece of paper mm. somewhere stored, um, you know, in, 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 in a shelf somewhere and never impl- implemented. 
Um, and, you know, if you give me a chance, I can speak to the context of Cape Town in terms of yeah, yeah. how speak to that quickly. Uh, Cape yeah, yeah. Town is, is one of the most unequal um, cities in the world. Mm. No, no, I'm saying, Gosekwana, if you can just go into that, because, you know, I think it's a very important flashpoint for the type of inequality that you're talking about. I think anybody who's landed in Cape Town from the airport uh, will bear testament uh, to some of the issues that you're going to raise. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one one of the things to, to, to raise is that, um, you know, Cape Town is ranked one of the most unequal um, you know, societies in, in the world. Um, if you're looking for property and you search um, online in terms of where you could invest property, Cape Town pops up as one of the three most um, expensive cities to live in. Mm. Um, the first being Manhattan and the second being, I think, uh, a central correction in this, Bangkok and then third being Cape Town. Um, that, you know, Property is, 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 is one of the recent or, or modernized, you know, um, currency in Cape Town. If you're wanting to get um, value for your money, you must invest in Cape Town in, money, in, in, in property. And, and, and that's one of the things that you, that you can, um, you know, get, get, get value for your money. Mm. But if, if you were to take a try, Ayabonga, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if you were born during the 50s or, you know, later during um, the what? The fifties, you know. The phone in Zalo Mandela's a pumilem. Yeah, that's that's the same for me. As sure, sure. <laughs> but but history tells us that in 1951 or in the forties, if you were to take a drive in Cape Town, that you know, in the middle of a city, you'd be you'd be solely you know surrounded by purely white people, and any black people you see around you would be black people that have a permit to exist in the inner city of Cape Town. Mm. Because the inner city was regarded as an economic hub, and the inner city was regarded as a white-only area. But if you were to take a drive from the north to, to the north of Cape Town, um, that's the Somerset West, I'm not sure if you've been there, been in Cape Town before, um, but on your drive towards the, the north of Cape Town, you suddenly be, be, be surrounded, you know, from your five to ten kilometer radius. Mm. You'd be surrounded then by your, you know, what was regarded as colored people, your Indian people, mixed mm. race people, brown people, um, and, and and that's what you see. And if you were to 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 furthermore continue with your with 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 your uh, journey towards the north of Cape Town, mm. in a in a twenty to twenty five kilometer radius. You then be surrounded by you. You then get to a place called um, the Blacks Only Area, the township. Um, by then, it was regarded as a native area. Mm. Um, and 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 you know, stated thirty five Kaili for the establishment of Kaili in nineteen eighty to nineteen eighty five. You know, you you then be introduced to those places. But take the same tribe today um, in Cape Town, and 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 you see the same findings you'll find in nineteen. Um, 40 are the same findings we find today mm. that in the inner city of Cape Town we have purely white people and some few and some few black and colored people who have managed to get a degree in university and have managed to get some jobs, um, good jobs that are that, that are paid, um, you know, some good salaries for people to afford a rent of a bachelor apartment of fifteen thousand rents and above. If you earn less than that. 
then you don't qualify to live in the inner city. Mm, mm. And if you then take a chance of living in the inner city without um, a formal rental accommodation, you will be fined in, in, in Cape Town. We have in Cape Town one of the racist um, policies that are actually criminalizing homeless people. Mm. If you're homeless in Cape Town, you'll be fined, arrested, and your property will be confiscated. And, 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 and today, that is one of the questions that we must be asking ourselves as to what is it that we must celebrate in a city that is one of the most racist cities in South Africa, where, where homeless people are fined for being homeless. And so, you know, this thing is not happening only by itself. Mm, mm, sure. There is a system in place that is kept to make sure that black people do not mm. acquire properties in this city. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. I want you to pause there. I want you to pause there because I think it's a perfect segue to my next question. Uh, you know, uh, for, 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 for my brother there, Tapelo. Because Tapelo, I mean, I can hear you agreeing with a lot of what Gosikwana is saying. Uh, and I guess it also explains why many people go and they settle on well-located land close to where they can find economic opportunities or close to where they work and are summarily dismissed or, or treated as land invaders or, or seen as people who are vagrants, you know, as if we still have the Vagrancy Act of 1879 or something like that. Um, your view is Abashali Basem Jondol in that context, where you've got settlements close to the cities, not serviced, that were initially temporary, but are effectively a permanent part of our lives. How do we transform those spaces into livable settlements that give dignity to people and give true meaning to freedom? Yes, thank you very much, uh, Bonga. Um, I, I, I've worked in Cape Town for two years. I've worked at the Comrade Corner, South Boy, uh, and other Comrade in the SKC. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I, I respect the work that they advancing in that city. It's, it's still, I mean, the South, South Africa may not be free today. Um, but Cape Town is worse. Uh, Cape Town uh, still has its own uh, apartheid special planning. Um, I live in a, a, a five kilometers away from the city. Mm. Uh, I pay ten rand bus fare to go to the city. Uh, living in, a, in the in the informal settlement, uh, that would never happen in Cape Town, mm. and that is affirmed by the uh, authorities in Cape Town to ensure that black people uh, live as far as uh, away from the city as possible, and that's why you find so much traffic when people are going to, mm. to, to, to Cape Town because working class is, does not belong to the city. And that's what has been affirmed in Cape Town. It, it, it still has its own uh, uh, apartheid footprint on it. Uh, you see the road, you see everything else. When I was there as a Debenite, I, I, I was concerned to say there, there, needs, there, there, there needs to be a struggle that is beyond mm. just fighting for housing. But there's a system there that is still there that is beyond that. Mm. Um, so um, uh, the, the fight that Abashali has fought in, in the past 15 years of existence, by the way, I must uh, 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 make this uh, announcement uh, that has been ignored by the South African government that uh, our own president, Smoothie uh, Gote, um, has been honored by the Swedish government with a Per Anger Award, uh, but has not been recognized by the South African government because they don't recognize us. Mm. Uh, we have lost 18 activists in the fight against land. Mm. So in, in case of then, 
uh, when you organize as the poor outside of the states, outside of the government, and you try to build your own autonomy, when you try to create your own gardens, when you try to build your own food sovereignty, as well as creating your own um, independency, you are regarded as a threat to the ANC. And the reason why there's political killings that are taking place in this province is because people who are organizing outside of the ANC are not are not recognized as are recognized rather as people who are actually fighting against the ANC. So some of us have been underground, uh, being attacked by the some of them. I mean, I can make an example that is clear: two what councillors in what twelve who had killed one of our own, killed Tulindlovu, who had um, you know uncovered some of the corruption with the location of housing. Uh, in case that then housing is allocated on the bonnet of the car uh, by councillors who are corrupt. So one of the reasons why we are in this is because of corruption. Corruption has robbed us of, uh, of us being free in this country, of us being able to get these services. Mm. Gentlemen, I, wa- I want the, the two of us to pause for a second. Uh, we're going to take a spot break, but uh, I want us to pause at this point because I think a, a lot of what we're talking about today is how do we, with the situation that's been presented by both Tapel and Gosikona, of uh, the spatial apartheid that continues to this day, uh, but of course I guess the, the patronage politics that give rise uh, to certain types of allocations of land, homes and the like uh, in the city, and of course I guess the permanent presence of uh, what we're often seen as temporary informal settlements. Uh, and I want us to pause here for a second because we're going to be joined in the next few minutes or so by the um, uh, DDG at uh, the Department of Human Settlements. And we're going to talk to him uh, about, um, you know, this uh, informal settlements upgrade program. Now, uh, during the budget that was announced in February, it became quite clear that in the next few years or so, there potentially could be uh, just over 9 billion rand annually paid to what is seen as the informal settlements upgrade program. We want to understand what that is. And uh, more importantly, I guess, uh, in our discussion there with Joseph uh, Leshaban and the DDG at uh, the department, get the perspectives from Tapelo and Kwasikona about what they make of some of the designs aimed at making sure that uh, our informal settlements uh, become uh, livable, uh, a human settlements where all of us can work, live and play. We'll continue after this. 18 minutes it is before 9 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro with myself, Ayabong Akawe. And uh, today on this uh, Freedom Day, we take a look at uh, the issue of human settlements, issues of housing, and of course, uh, challenges around creating livable human settlements uh, in many of our communities. And uh, this evening... Uh, shining a spotlight uh, uh, on the uh, struggles of Abasali Basem Chondolo and uh, the uh, Social Justice Coalition. Uh, and I'm joined by Nkosikona Swartboy and Tapelo Mohapi from those organizations. But we also join now on the line uh, to speak briefly about the Informal Settlements Upgrade Program by the DDG for Project and uh, Program Management Unit at the Department of Human Settlements, Joseph Lishabane. DDG, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, good evening, Abonga, and good evening to the listeners, as well as the gentlemen you have on the line yeah, th- um, on the show as well. Thank you very much and uh, for taking time out to speak to us this evening. I was saying just before we went to the break uh, to the two gentlemen, Gosikona and uh, Tapelo, that um, uh, if we look at the budget uh, that was delivered by the Ministry of Finance uh, earlier on around February or so, uh, there's about 9.3 billion rand in the outer year of the medium-term expenditure period. 
that is expected to be spent on the informal settlements upgrade program. We also heard yeah. something similar at the start of the lockdown last year. You know that uh, certain areas, townships like uh, you know Dungan Village out in uh, Buffalo City, uh, were, were set to be upgraded, and uh, of course that involved different service units, water, sanitation, electricity, and the like. Talk to us about what this program is trying to achieve, uh, but more importantly, I guess how it responds to the context that my two guests have so eloquently painted. Certainly, certainly, and. Um I I have to, from the onset, state that in many respects the perspectives advanced by or submitted by Tabel and Ngozikon, and, and we, 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 we are all speaking perhaps with different emphasis, but we're speaking about the same problem. Um, so, in a nutshell we have over 2,000 informal settlements across the country. Our statistical analysis and um, on-the-ground assessments indicate that there's about 7 million people living there. Now, here's the reality, and I think the gentlemen have sketched it uh, fairly well. These informal settlements are homes for many of the people we know and love. Now, there's no engineering services in those areas. Mm. No one owns the land, so there's no security of tenure. But also, there's other access deficiencies, so people can't access the economy in the same way that others do. Mm. Now, the program to upgrade informal settlements. Remember, there was a time when the thinking was to remove uh, informal settlements, eradicate, so mm. to speak. But the policy of government, I think, since 2005, is that we will upgrade in situ. In situ means where they are. That means you have to be able to move beyond massaging the problem. You know, when I say massaging, you put in chemical toilets, mm. you put in pot, uh, uh, water tanks. You have to put in engineering services such that that environment becomes functional and part of the urban fabric. Now, you also have to make sure that you then formalize. And when I say formalize, you have to make sure that there is land in there that can be transferred and owned by those that reside there. Mm -hmm. Now, that immediately immediately throws up two dilemmas. There's informal settlements that cannot be upgraded in situ, and I mean where they are. I mean, whether they are in the flat plains or under power lines because it's dangerous, or on dolomitic areas and so forth. Those ones, we have to make a plan, and the program provides for that, that you have to find alternative suitable land, and then people can be settled uh, with their consent and after they've been participating in the design as well as determination thereof. But those that we can um, upgrade in situ, and that's the point of this grant that you were referring mm. to, every informal settlement, we need a plan 
that is agreed between the municipality and the residents. The plan that says here we're going to have a road and therefore here the services can go in mm. in this fashion. And what type of services? But they have to be engineering services that allows for water, sewer, uh, roads, as well as uh, electricity. So the point of this program is to do those four things. Let me repeat that. Make sure that the residents have security of tenure. They can own property. Secondly, they have services proper and functional, Mm. as well as uh, all of that allows for health uh, to be better because mm. uh, you, you would have seen most of the informal settlements. I was in Ivory Park for most of the afternoon today. Now, if waste is not collected, mm. if uh, water is running along all around, it, it's not healthy. Therefore, people are exposed to all these hazards. TDG, and that's the point of the program. TDG, just a quick one, I mean, within the program. How do we ensure alignment between different entities within government? So, so you've touched, for instance, on the issues of security of tenure. You've touched on the servicing questions around uh, there. But of course, on those servicing issues, it's not just about building top structures of homes in situ, but also effectively building network infrastructure there. So I'm talking Absolutely. about roads, you know, uh, connectivity, fiber, you know, clinics, amenities that effectively make those places livable places where people can work, live and play. Is that part of this program? Uh, Because we understand that that would sit in different parts of government. And has there been some coherence in ensuring that as you sort of modernize an informal settlement in situ, that all of government is coming in, all of the different departments that effectively make that a settlement worth living in? Yes, absolutely. Now, the, there's a part that um, Tapelo was referring to, and that, that pained me because it's unfortunate that the organizations that mobilize communities are then viewed as a threat. Mm. Honestly, that is unfortunate in this democracy. It is probably despicable in many ways. But when you have an informal settlement the residents are the primary beneficiaries. And therefore, the program requires that there be a plan to develop that area. Because you are upgrading in situ, you can't just come in with bulldozers and decide what goes, what doesn't. You have to agree with the community, agree what is the development vision for that area. Therefore, when the engineers give form to that vision, it is based on consultation, inclusion, and therefore the successful upgrading relies on full participation and consensus within the community. So in the absence of a plan, how are you going to know which way the road must go? You have to have a plan that informs the municipality how that upgrading is going to happen. And that is what we are seeking to fund. We are funding the requirements of that plan as would have been agreed between the community, Mm. the local municipality, and, by the way, in some cases, the provincial authorities. So, 
Let's do yes. this. We quickly need to go to a uh, spot break. So I want us to take a brief break now. And uh, when we come back, you'll conclude the point. I'll give Nkwasi um, and Tapel an opportunity to also engage what you've said. Uh, and then uh, we'll have to wrap up after that. Certainly. I'm in conversation with uh, the DDG at the Department of Human Settlements, Joseph Leshabane, and uh, also joined by um, uh, Tapela Muhapi from Abatali Basim Jondolo and uh, Ngosikwana Swartpoy, Head of Advocacy and Organising at the Social Justice Coalition. DDG, uh, please complete the point there and uh, also, uh, I guess, uh, so we can get Ngosikwana and Tapela to uh, engage some of uh, the uh, plans of government uh, around the in-situ modernisation and um, upgrade of informal settlements. Thank you very much. So, in conclusion, it's important that the reason we are asking for these plans that are agreed with the community mm. is so that when we provide funding for implementing those projects, that very community is part and parcel of that implementation. Who's the contractor who's appointed? Are they doing the job and doing it properly? on time, and so forth. So um, I'm, I'm fairly convinced that as things stand, we've got the system through this program mm. to realize the transformation that we all want. Because if you have policy and it's not funded, it's, 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 it's fairy tale. If you have programs but are not planned properly, it's also a problem. Lastly, if those plans and programs are not implemented with the community, you have a disaster. So that's what this program is, mm. the centerpiece of this program. It's about exactly that. Sure, sure, sure. Tapelo, let me bring you in there first, and Kosekona, uh, you, you'll follow on that one. I mean, just some of what you make of um, the thinking and the design of government, and I think the, the point that the DDG was making earlier on is quite in, in, instructive which is initially it was about eradication of some of these informal settlements, whereas now it's really about the institute upgrade and uh, modernization and effectively creating, uh, you know, settlements uh, uh, from what effectively was, a, you know, a very um, interesting process of settlement in the first place. What, what do you make of, of, of uh, the response there? And I guess, uh, what do you make of it in light of your own experiences? Thank you very much, Monga. Uh, it's a pity that you brought uh, someone who is a DG. Uh, we wanted someone who is a politician who can answer this. Some because some of the questions are political. Mm, okay. Um, uh, some issues that are existing in government are political. Um, members of the Democratic Alliance, members of others, and others who don't associate themselves with political parties mm. in the province where I am, do not get services because uh, they are not members of the ANC. But um, one of the things that I wanted to raise, what, what I want to raise is maybe uh, one, one, one of the things that uh, maybe the DG could do is for us, uh, I know that he, he doesn't speak on behalf of the minister. Uh, the minister was uh, promised the people of Empolo in, in Cape Town. Uh, material, building material, and the minister never delivered. And when Goscona Swatboy asked him in a camera, he attacked uh, him. Uh, him uh, I know that the DG knows about this, but I know that also he's not a desktop person of the minister. And therefore, maybe he, because mm. he's closer to the minister, he may probably ask. Well, the minister, I mean, there's some value tapel in getting the, the technocrats in as well, right? Uh, yes, because yes. they have line of but sight the, over the detail, yeah. 
but but what what I want to say is that um, the mini- I mean that the DG touches on a very important issue. It mm. says we've got plans as government, but the, uh, these plans will be good only when we involve the co- uh, the communities. But I know for a fact that communities are not involved in their own uh, development. The reason why we are in this crisis in the first place. Um, is, the, is the fact that people are not part of the development that comes to them. Uh, they are seen, they are supposed to be seen as recipients of these, of their housing, of the development that are taking place. Um, I'm speaking here as someone who lives in the informal settlement. Right now, there's a sewage that runs in my in in in, in the road where I live. Uh, very terrible smell that is coming there. Uh, right now, if the rain comes, there will be droplets that are coming into my house. Mm. Right now, there would be there's a lot that is happening, and and the DG is going to a house, a proper house where he's going to sleep comfortably with his family. Uh, but my challenge is that when you go and sleep in that house uh, where you are comfortable. You really think about the inhuman conditions that are taking place uh, as a result of the, the 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 corruption that is taking place. I'm saying this because houses that are meant for people who are poor in mm. this province where I am are actually sold by white councillors. Sure, sure. These these houses are actually given to people who don't deserve them. Mm. And these houses are meant for the poorest of the poor. So when the middle class go and live a better life, they must think about what Mm. is happening in the informal settlement where we live. But I'm saying in closing, what I want is that people are stewards of their development. When you undermine people who are living in informal settlement and you think that they can't think to such an extent that you hire someone to think on their behalf, Mm. a consultant, to make up their development when you can actually involve them to create sure. their own development. And that's where the failure of the okay. state is, is. That they undermine people who are living in the People in, in, who are living in the environment are engineers, are plumbers, are electricians, and if they are included in the mm. development of their lives, we would not be in this situation. Yeah. Tapelo, it's about tapelo, upgrading. Tapelo, tapelo. I'm, I'm trying to get you to pause there for a second because we also want to give Ngosikwan an opportunity and we're quickly running out of time. Okay. I mean, we're left with a minute or so now. But I think the gist of what you're saying is, 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 is well received, that we need a very rigorous participatory process that isn't effectively outsourced to the patronage politics of the governing party and even to consultants to yes. design and conceptualize. And I think the point is well made. Ngosikwana, let's give you an opportunity as well, my brother, and uh, we'll certainly close off with the DDG. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I am only just um, some inaccuracies, um, inaccurate points that the DDG has made. One, um, it, it's not true that no one knows who owns the land because the DDG knows that the city of Cape Town, particularly in the context of Cape Town, that there's a matrix mm. document that outlines who owns all pieces of land across the city of Cape Town. So they must not come here and claim as if they don't know who owns the land. And we know that the majority of vacant pieces of land that are being occupied now in mm. South Africa, uh, in Cape Town particularly, are owned by national, sorry, by, by provincial, um, national and local government. Um, the 7 million count that he's referring to is not accurate because there's more people that have occupied, um, you know, and have developed their communities to be informal settlements across South Africa currently. Mm. In the 2000 that is mentioning and the 7 million population of people living in informal settlements, it's not accurate. We are currently, as the Social Trust Coalition, 
doing an enumeration of all of these communities so as to add, um, you know, context into all of these things mm, that, mm. Is being, that, that is being claimed now. We know that, I mean, why is it that a DDG say is claiming that 7 million are without basic services Goes in corner. Africa? Goes Why corner. is there a role in making sure that people have got sure, access sure. to us to basic services in South Africa? Goes corner. That, yeah. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. and Let's do this. Um, may I propose, DDG as well, unfortunately, we have run out of time. May I propose that we take part two of this conversation because there's a lot of weighty and yeah. meaty issues that we need to uncover and unpack. So let's yeah. reconvene, I think, around the same time tomorrow, if possible, because yeah. we are still in the month of freedom. And I want us to continue on this vein, because I, I think it would certainly be no mean feat if we were able to at least find each other on certain issues and agree where we do not agree. So uh, DDG, uh, I certainly hope that that's something that's uh, amenable to you. Let's try and catch up tomorrow, but we'll have to leave it there.